0: Today's episode is sponsored by Cool Properties. If you're headed to Las Vegas for a family or corporate outing and want a different experience, if you want to avoid the crowds, traffic, and chaos, you know what I'm talking about. Check out Cool Properties in Mesquite, Nevada, about an hour and a half outside Las Vegas. They offer a variety of property rentals just minutes away from two world-class golf courses and luxury resorts. Full access to pools, hot tubs, gyms, and they are all located at the clubhouse. Bring the family, or not, rest easy with cool properties. Click the link below for more details. Hey, as a business owner, I love to support small businesses like Ranky Brothers. Ranky Brothers is not just a costume shop, a novelty shop, a magic shop, or a prop shop. It's an experience. Man, we are so lucky to have these guys near us. You can get anything for any occasion, big or small, for purchase or for rental. They even host a state-of-the-art haunted house in the fall. Reiki Brothers is located right downtown Littleton. Check out ReikiBrothers.com or stop by their store for all your crazy occasions. You will love it. Welcome back to Between the Fur. <laughs> is, this, is this two or three for you? This is two.
1: I think it's two. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was been on been with back Mark Taylor forth. once. No, you know what? You know what? I was out with Mark Taylor like a year ago, maybe. Uh-huh. And we did one of the really early ones. It was like, you know, like one of your first maybe five or so. So we oh, were on yeah. a long, yeah. long time ago, just the two of us. Okay.
0: Well, we have been, you and I have been on some different calls with, what, uh, some of the things that you got going. And you
1: know, uh, which have been great. Have you gotten a lot of good feedback on that? What do you call it? What do you call uh, So my podcast now is called the party in the back podcast. Actually this month in, I'm uh, sorry, next month in May, we celebrate our 11th year on the podcast, a monthly old. podcast. It used to be How called the game ops. podcast. Now we got fancy. We have a name for it. So yeah, the party in the back. <laughs> I love it. Ken on GameOps.com, We started something, I think last June or July, uh, called the GameOps.com Plus Huddles, and so those calls you're talking about are they're one-hour calls. They usually happen two or three times a month, and we invite just a slew of our, you know, we have we have a membership-based uh, piece on the site. But right now it's like we're still early, we're still young, so we're still invite a bunch of our friends and and cohorts and uh, counterparts to jump on and have that conversation with us. What we found, and this is what I found, this kind of why I started GameOps.com is is you can learn so much from people outside of your sport, outside of your, uh, you know, we're both mascots by trade, but I can learn a lot from a game director and from a stage manager and from the lighting guy. And so we invite all those people together to kind of like talk about things. And you get those different perspectives from majors to minors, from soccer to basketball and from mascotting to game presentation directors. Uh, and I think those conversations are really beneficial when you just dig in and you just, you know, put your ears on and, and try to figure out what's going on in the world. And, and, and also you learn from the different perspectives. You know, when you are a mascot, you, don't, you always think about mascot stuff, like how does this affect me and what I'm doing in my costume? But sometimes you have to like flip that around and be like, how does what I'm doing going to affect the rest of the show? Or will the lighting guy follow what I'm doing? How do I give him the cues that he needs and those kind of things. So understanding other people's roles is really important, you know, in life, but also in in sports presentation.
0: Yeah, it's been really a good uh, situation for me as well. I'm now in a different role. Uh, a little bit different role and I'm kind of behind the scenes a little bit now I'm headset and I'm calling some of the shots and it's, it's, it's one thing as a mascot to be sitting there going, okay, now I think this should happen, but to relay that verbally as well is a little bit different for me, you know? Okay. Yeah. Now cut to this, cut to that. And it, it's a whole different world on the outside of a costume. So totally, yeah, it's been really fun, and um, it's been fun to be on those calls with uh, with you guys as well. And it's funny uh, to hear some of these minor league get, guys get on there, girls and directors, and uh, to hear their point of view is uh, sometimes I, I'm like, well, doesn't that just make sense? Hello exactly that should just make sense to you exactly and, you know why aren't you thinking like me but they just don't and uh, or most times a lot of times they don't and as mascots to be able to convey uh, what you need is sometimes a challenge without getting oh, right, ego right involved and without getting uh, frustrated and a lot of times I'm better with my my, my body language than I am with my verbal language So that's a uh, challenge I have. So those are, hey, man, you've really touched on something good there. So, hey, how do people get on those calls? Is it by invite or you say membership?
1: So we have, so, in, and I'll kind of like wrap this whole thing as much as I can. I got to tell you, this whole thing is new. And I'm learning every single month I go on every every single call I go on there. I'm getting my reps as a host, getting my reps as a promoter to kind of get people on these calls. So the idea initially, and what it's hopefully the dream is, what it's going to be uh, someday, is just a, a straight membership thing. And we have we've I have probably I don't want to go into the numbers. It's obviously a small niche thing, um, but we have members who are on this back end. It's like a separate site on GameOps.com called GameOps.com Plus. All those people, they always get the invites. That's kind of like you're you're on that. You're going to get the invites. It's like a separate email chain, that kind of thing. And there's a sub a, a sub site, if you will, that you can go on and do some other things. And we have all the past calls on uh, on the the YouTube uh, clips of all the all those calls on the back end. So those people get invited. And like I said, so what I do to try to buff up these calls and make it, make it not just a handful of people try to get, you know, the, the the perfect number has kind of been like between 12 and 20, right. And there's a good window where you get it. You, everyone's involved in the conversation. It's not too heavy. And there's a lot of different perspectives. So to get up to those numbers, you know, you got to invite all, uh, more people. So I've been inviting, um, I start with all the people who are members. And then from there, I invite a handful or sometimes 20 more other people just to see who can come in, who's interested. You know, some of the calls are niche. Like, it's like, you know, the last one we just had was with Mo Brazelton from the Sacramento Kings. He was talking about rehearsals and going cue to cue and kind of that whole practice. And, you know, Ken, you and I are old school here. We've, we were doing this in the 90s. The notion of coming in on a game day and going through q to q rehearsals with your whole staff, it, it was ludicrous. Nobody would yeah. ever do that. And now it's actually pretty much, you know, most of the majors do it like, you know, NBAs, NHL, they do it, uh, even if it's a stripped down staff. Um, but we talked about that. And so again, it's not interesting for everybody. And there's some teams that are just like, we, we just can't budget. We can't do that. That's not possible. Or we're all union. or we're all part-time. Um, but again, just to find out, how and why you do that and the benefits of it and and tips and tricks to to get people into those into those q2q meetings and and what they're going to get out of it and that's what we're talking about so again it's not going to be for everybody um and we're all those calls we try to make it as broad as we can but sometimes they get a little sport specific sometimes they get a little role specific um i'd like to think everybody can learn but but you know it doesn't interest everybody. So that's what we're doing. And we get these groups of people together. Um, and I totally lost track of what your question was did I answer. it? <laughs> I think you <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost track too. I kind of
0: zoned out there. Just kidding. Really. They're great. The, even the cutie to stuff, by the way, I learned it's really helpful. I never, I always wanted to fight that. Cause I was like, nah, I don't want to come in early. Come on, man. I gotta, I gotta work tonight. I got things to do tonight. And it, but I tell you, some of those things that, that, that we're doing now really really does help. It's in it, it, back in the day, the only time I would practice was like, okay, I got uh, I got a dunk show coming up at the all-star game. I got to figure out what dunk I'm doing. I remember one time it, Tim Liwicky came he was he was the president of the time and I'm out there trying to dunk and I ended up pulling my, my quad. I get snapped and I was so upset and I was so sore and everything and I had been trying to dunk and uh, Tim Lightwicky catches me in the hallway and he's like, so what, 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 what's the matter? What's going on? I'm like, okay, I am so frustrated right now. I'm trying to go out there. I'm trying to do this dunk. I'm trying to come up with something, but I can't see. I got these big old feet. I got this big old tail You want me? and I'm supposed to win a dunk contest? Gah, I just pulled my quad. See this knot in my leg? That's my quad. He's like, man, dude, you need to chill. He says, the only people that you need to worry about is right here in this arena, right here in this town. Don't worry about all that all-star stuff, man. You're not going to get anything out of it anyways. It's just for show. It's just for fun. I'm like, okay, really? I thought there was pressure here. It's like, nope, no pressure from me. I love that he had a great perspective there, but you know, now doing more Q to Q stuff
1: really is beneficial. But hey, you know, I, I it's funny when when I think about this, I think of everything in terms of wrestling. Can you know? I've I've long been a fan. I worked for WWE for about six years, and but, and one of the things but I'm you're, but you're a mascot. You are a you've lived. Well, I think like a mas- mascot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but one of the things that in, in the wrestling industry, everyone kind of yearns for back in the day, and they've kind of glorified these these old time guys who could just come out there and cut a promo, and nobody would script it, and no one checked off the the the, the, the cadence and what they were saying, and the camera they were going to look at, and all that kind of stuff. They went out there, they turned the microphone on, and they rocked the crowd. But here's the thing: the production now, when you go to one of those TV tapings and wrestling and this again obviously parlays into into what we do um it's so much more complicated it used to be there was a hard cam and a, a guy standing ringside with the camera and that's all it was and you were waiting for one cue and like it was like one person ran the music they all knew you're gonna say anyway and it wasn't that complicated and now you th- and like when back in the day you could walk out on the court and do a skit And your camera guy is one of them, you're playing to him or he's just gonna follow the action because he's doing whatever you did. Well, now there's ribbon boards. There's, you know, that they're gonna tag, you know, your your social media thing. They're gonna, you're gonna play a video at a certain cue. They're gonna hit this camera, you're gonna hit that camera. There's four different entries you're gonna come out of. All these things have just like gotten more and more complicated as you go. And so my that's the case for making these Q to Q. It's so much more complicated. You, it's not one guy who you work with every night. There's like a staff of thirty who are involved in that, in switching the right to the right camera angle, uh, or picking up the right um, board, or bringing the right fan in. And as you go, it's like you. I, I know you, I know the answer to this. Is it more complicated than it was in the '90s? Absolutely. I mean, tenfold. And, and the so-
0: technology is crisper you know your 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 tv at home the screen in the arena
1: is crisper so everything has to be more crisp yeah yeah because otherwise they pick up every air so like Q to Q's in the 90s i would have said well i think we all get it we all know what we're doing here and we did at the same time though a lot of that was it was there was so so much uh, a level um, um as I muff that up, it was so much more simple. I mean, it was just, like I said, one or two cameras. It was the same crew all the time. They kind of knew what you were doing. And, and now it's just, it's just not. It's just way more complicated. And so the cue to cue may not be for you, the performer, because you know what you're doing. You know your timings. The cue to cue is to get everybody on board with what you're doing. And that now doesn't mean two people. It means 12 or 18.
0: Yeah, and your control room, the guy calling the cameras, is in a completely separate room can't see the game live, so counting on cameras to see even what's going on, they have to know from that perspective, you know, or see the game from that perspective. And so to have that already spelled out helps them a lot. We've run into some, some situations this season where I wish we would have made a couple things more clear. Uh, because some people also don't have the feel for it when they're calling the cameras and even the camera people, you know, uh, okay, I've even, had, like literally had to be on the headset during a, this one bit that I can remember where I'm like, "You pull the camera out, pull the camera, there's no frame of reference here. Where is he? You know? <laughs> he's yeah, in the third level And they didn't even know He's in the third level There's uh, fans everywhere Give him a, you know, like zoom in He's been from here to here In the last 20 seconds So show where he's gone from Now he's there You know, that type of thing
1: You know, it's interesting too You, know, I think about part of this job is scripting And that, a lot of times it means I know what I'm going to do Like, I wrote a script yesterday. I know what I'm going to do. But now everybody has to know that. And in some ways, too, like what you said, that little little detail about when you go in the crowd and you show me. If you're showing a tight shot of my shoulders, I don't know where you are. Fans can't look for you because they can't cue off of anything. And like you said, if you have to have the perspective, like, hey, he's way in the back row, that's important. And that needs to be in the script. And those are those details that they make the moment. And also, this is, again, this is about... I don't want to be the old man screaming at the clouds, but like the how different it is back in the day, like you literally the the scoreboard is kind of icing on the cake is like, oh, you could see it. If you were confused, you could look to it. Now people go to the games and they're looking solely at the screen. I tell I tell everyone now, if I'm not on the screen, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing because it's all just one on one. And so before, like, you could command the audience from anywhere because no one was looking at it. Now there's a 90-foot television hanging in front of you. <laughs> uh, there's 90-foot and television. And they literally will watch the screen more than they watch the actual floor. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's not even close. Yeah, It's not even close. So if you're not on the screen, you're kind of not being seen unless you're doing something majestic in the audience, and that's just rare. Now, do you remember back at McNichols
0: Arena? You were there, back mm-hmm. in the McNichols Arena, they had the two screens on the ends of the court. Like, you had to look completely to the end of the arena. There was a north and south. There was two screens in there. But you had to look one way or the other, 180 degrees. And it was pixelated. The whole thing, yeah, I the, mean, the it wasn't even a digital screen. It was just little, little dots, little uh, – we could get video on there. But it was <laughs> it, – you know – it didn't even pick up all. The, I mean, I could, I could put. I actually did most of my editing with two VCRs. Yeah, and if there was a little glitch in between,
1: you would <laughs> never know it. <laughs>
0: You'd never know it up there. <laughs> so.
1: And now it's like we can't even run that. We can't run that. It's too Right,
0: bad. right. Oh, if it's not HD, we're not even putting it up on the screen. How times have changed.
1: So All for the better. Yes,
0: right? yes, absolutely. Actually, and it's and it's helped us grow as performers. I think. Yeah. I so think, uh, yeah, I think so. I was just going to say you're back. Uh, you're back performing now. Can we say that? Can I say that?
1: I, I you know. know I've kind of lost track. I I you know I had this great little niche where I retired at one point. So then it's like yeah, I can say anything I want. And i did go back so now i kind of talk about it in past tense and, and people just assume i retired so but yeah i I, uh, I rolled back in and <laughs> and i don't know the rules anymore i don't i don't know, like hey, they don't the apply thing. to us anymore they don't <laughs> i guess not we're You're like grandfathered angel,
0: like, in we're yeah whatever, I, I because we are grandfathers
1: well i'm a grand i i will say this and like i'm not gonna like deny anything I, it's hard to talk in like current tense like this is what i do and last night i did this um but but so like something like this it's like i'm probably not gonna deny anything you say i'll talk in past tense for the most part but yeah we're out there doing our thing still yeah so
0: cleveland is a great place great fans i've heard (laughs) (laughs) and you are back rocking it in costume i won't
1: say which character but how's it feel it's been fun you know like i think I was away from for, for uh, two years about. Mm-hmm. And again, it was like, I, I think when people asked me why I left, I was like, well, I kind of accomplished everything I wanted to do. Um, and so there wasn't like a, I, I have to get this done. I have to achieve this. And so, but at the same time, when I was away, I was like, I really like doing it and I'd like to think I'm good at it. So it's like, I enjoy it. I think it, it it's, it's fun. It's, it, again it's the fun it's the fun business you know you're out there just trying to make people laugh and people smile and enjoy their time at, at an event and so it's like you kind of can't go wrong with that you leave there every night with a good feeling if you did your job so
0: are you finding now that you're having more fun because you're doing it more for fun like you've been able to step away and now come back do you appreciate it more do you are you having more fun are you more relaxed? I- well,
1: I think I've been relaxed for a long time. I don't think oh, that was yeah. a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are.
1: Um, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely have, I have more fun. I kind of appreciate the fun because, again, like I, I went, you went away from it for a while. You're like, oh, well, that is, it's a good time. And like, I think there was times too, I would be more frustrated if things didn't go well when I was younger. Um, and now it's like a little bit more like I know that not that it's not important if things don't go well, but like and I'm like. That's kind of what it is and you just keep working hard to make the next time better but it I wouldn't get as I wouldn't get as like mad about stuff so um not throwing stuff I, in the I back anymore a, then yeah you're just like okay no no and I I don't know I was probably like that a little bit when I was way younger but um but yeah no I think that, that part of it where you're like I don't again like something goes wrong I don't not care But I also don't get really riled about it. It's like, well, uh, it's almost like if you're like me, it's almost like, well,
0: I know this, I know there's going to have nothing's perfect. Something's going to go wrong. It's inevitable. And so, but back in the day, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have that perspective. There's no, I mean, I've got the perspective now that I can, I can go out, I can put on a good show. And I can roll if something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think too. I don't know if you'll um, relate to this or not, but I, I feel this really was like this evolution of of how I performed when I was young. I was, I'm a, I'm kind of an emotional person. I emote like you can kind of tell my mood. I wear it on my sleeve, and I would lean into that. I would use that emotion like I needed that to like help me emote and like you said kind of generate that expression through your body in your body language and so I use that and so I would like be in the moment they did something great in the court. I'd be like yes and in the costume you're just full emotion and you're tapping into that so the crowd can feel it and I feel like now it's like I am confident enough with my ability to emote that I don't need that as much and so I can kind of like I don't like calling it going through the motions but it's like I can kind of get to the point where I'm like, I can I can convey what I need to convey without tapping into that emotion. And so I think that's allowed me a little bit to like not have to dial up my emotions so that I could vibe off it, if you will. And so like, does that make sense? No, it, it totally does. And I can
0: really relate with that. I mean, I'm an emotional person. I mean, you know that. And it's it, you really do have to draw on those things and channel those emotions Sometimes to get the energy to push through that next time out or whatever you got going on, and it's I I had somebody tell me very close to me this season, like man, I cannot believe how emotionally draining this is and how how mentally draining. It's like I, thought, I
1: always just thought it was a physical thing. I'm like, no, yeah, no, I just, think. I can I can go a little deep on you here, um, so dun, cut dun, me off if this dun, gets dun. this gets dry. Give me some sound. I had this there. moment. I had this moment when I was performing. This is a uh, ninety no two thousand ish when I was in Portland with the WNBA team, and I re- I got guilt. I felt guilty. I was like I'm not. I'm kind of on autopilot. Is, what, is how it felt. I just I was kind of going in, going through the motions. I knew it was. I knew it was good. It was like I was getting the responses I want but I didn't feel like I was like tapped in. Like we just talked about that thing where I'm like, I have to emote, I have to feel everything just so I can share it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I read this book kind of on a whim. Um, it's called, I probably have it here somewhere. Uh, it's called The Professional by W.C. Hines, I believe. It's a book about a boxer and how he, and and the whole notion is this trainer is trying to get him to the point where he was like, quote unquote, a professional and the the, the way the trainer used it was an amateur goes okay you get your hands up he's gonna throw a left hook <clears throat> i'm gonna show you my boxing like absolutely nothing i know nothing about it he's gonna throw left hook and as an amateur you go oh left hook i'm gonna put my guard up i'm gonna punch with my with my right okay and as a professional again this shortens the book up into two sentences as a professional the guy throws a left hook and you don't think about it You do, you just do the motions right. and so the difference is an amateur has to process essentially. You have to think about it. You have to like send that neuron through your brain and be like, oh, he's coming to this. I have to do this. And my next direction is this. And that's as an amateur. When you're a professional, you just do. You've done it enough. You, you do. And it's like, it's who you are. And so circling back to the book and the, the Portland fire thing, I felt bad because I felt like I was an autopilot. And I think what I had actually done—this sounds arrogant, but—but um, <laughs> but I think I'd actually done is kind of crossed over where I was like, I just do. I'm a I'm a professional now at this. I'm not like I don't have to like, I don't have to calculate every move. I can just go out there and be. And so while I felt like a little stripped down because I was on autopilot, I was just doing the job because I did. It was it got easier for me, and it's not a bad thing. It was just like, I'd just gotten better at it. And like, I didn't need to do those mechanical things. I didn't need to draw on that emotion to capture what I was trying to do. I was just able just to do it. And again, you talk like there's the whole thing about you, collecting the, the number of reps or doing doing so many hours in a job. And like, you start to become it. You start to like, I can feel it, I can do it. And I just felt like I was. it was like this epiphany for me. I'm like, being on autopilot's okay. Because it just means that, I know what I'm doing, and I don't. I don't have to like calculate and think about all these things. I can just do. That had to relieve you a lot, mentally. That had to, yeah. yeah well, it was an I, aha moment. Oh, totally. I was actually. I remember when I read it. I was actually having conversations with friends. I'm like, I was having the. I was having such a great time. And those three years with the WMB team were my favorite years ever as a performer. And and that's between the second and third year, I was like, I think I'm gonna hang it up because it wasn't for the money. It's like a WNBA. I was doing for fun, and I was like, I I felt guilty, like I should let someone else do this because I'm now like not really feeling it like I used to. Yeah. But in the end, I was like, but I love it. I'm like yeah. I, I'm happy. And do you think that people can pick up on that? You know, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, again, I wasn't shortchanging anything. I, that's the one part of this that I didn't feel like, oh, I'm I'm shortchanging the audience because they don't get to see that emotion. It's like, again, it's like a. I was just I could do that without tapping into those other things. So yeah. I I, don't, I never felt like I was giving someone the short shaft on that. Yeah, no, I can relate. There's times
0: when I have thought, OK, am I really giving everything I've got here? Because I don't feel like it. Doesn't feel like I used to. You
1: yeah, know?
0: and well, so you're, you're, I, I went through something similar, and I, uh, you know, I I just call it having fun now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I'm just having fun. I I just got to the point where, all right, I'm just having fun. That doesn't mean that I didn't get nervous. I mean, there's right. still a lot of nerves involved with everything that I did, and and people would ask me all the time, "Do you still get nervous about you know going out there? Are you gonna are you are you nervous now? Are you you know you got this coming up tonight?" yeah of course, absolutely. No nerves are going and and everything, but I did have the confidence that that I could roll with whatever happened if it failed or because I had some really big failures. but you know going out on a thirty foot ladder, if I don't make it, well, what do I do? Ah eh, we'll get there i'll I'll figure it out. But I used to have to really think through if I don't make it, then I've got to do. Something. What is it going to be? Can I, you know, are the, is everybody going to hate me? Is everybody going to boo me? If I get booed, what's happening then? What do I do then? And, you know, throwing a half-court shot. I've gotten booed I don't know how many times. But I'll tell you one thing real quick that was an aha moment for me. Throwing a half-court shot time after time, and you've been there. You know, you miss, well, people think you suck and then (laughs) they haven't seen the hundred that you made you know last year or whatever I got to a point where I was missing a lot in a row and finally my emotions just came out and missed I'm walking off the court again uh after what I had to be like eight games of missing this in a row and you know I have to make them and sponsored the whole thing sponsored and everything. Coming off the court, boo, boo, you suck. I just lost it. I grabbed somebody's popcorn, boom, threw it in the crowd. Uh, somebody else was, you know, had their hand out. Whack, I just smacked their hand. Get that out of here. I got somebody out there you know, with their legs crossed, and I'm about to walk off the court. Their legs are crossed, their legs are you know, straight out. I reached down, grabbed their shoe. I mean, it just came off like that. I hucked it as I came off the court. There's a stanchion right there. Knock that down. Walk over. There's another one. Knock that down. I'm walking out of the court. Another popcorn on a little wall there. Blam! I'm just... I am mayhem all of a sudden. I go back in the back after just... In my mind, just... I lost it. Totally lost character. (laughs) I go back in the back. And... My assistant comes up and he's like, oh, uh," he's got big eyes and everything. I go, what are they saying? What are they saying? He loves it. He loves it. (laughs) After the game, game director comes back and he's like, man, that was funny. That was so good. Dude, do that every time. I want to see that every time. Couldn't believe it. Okay, that worked out. But, luckily, I didn't, you know.
1: Man, there's two two things, Ken, as you're telling the story. When you pause, I was like, I know they're going to say they loved it. Um, But there's two things. Number one, it's real. Like, it was real. And I think that that says something. Not that you should be flying off the handle. But when you do, that emotion, it's real. And that's part of being a a character is that they have real emotions. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. that a mascot doesn't just wear the shit-eating grin and walk around happy all the time. Like, if you lose (laughs) by 30— yeah, some do, but here's the thing they're not real. Like, yeah. and I, the Easter no bunny, one is not funny. He's not interesting. He's yeah. not, it's not because you, there's no, there's no up and down, there's no story there. And so I love that. And then the other part of this is, and this is that it's that game director piece where it's like what he did, and he may, and again, I trust that he did love it, but what he did there is he, like, you missed all your shots, but you know what he did? He gave you confidence. Oh,
0: Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I'm dealing with a situation right now where I got a guy that that hit every compliment is followed with a but. That was great. Loved it. Everything went awesome. But yeah. So, anyways, what? So so. If you had okay. I sent you some of this stuff some of these uh questions or whatever but have you if you've thought about these give me some answers on if you were and I think this leads right into it if you were to start all over not being the expert not putting in all the having had all the time having had all the practice experience fails mishaps successes
1: what would you tell somebody just coming in you know, there's, there's a couple things like obviously talking to to young, young Ken Solomon and young John Kuda would be interesting. And, and, um, and by the
0: way, just a little history here, sorry to interrupt, but talking about the young Kudo, the young Solomon, we literally started out together almost as you, you started the year before me and, but we, we met up pretty quick and, uh, have experienced all kinds of things from day one and traveled the world together in different situations, been good friends for a long time. So there's a lot of history here.
1: Truth. Truth. Can confirm. Um, I, I would say a couple of things that jumped out when you shot me this question. Number one, uh, I would say collaborate more. And that sounds stupid. Um, but I, I'm thinking back to like the last couple of years. And sometimes you kind of get a little siloed, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this skit. I'm going to do this video. I'm going to do this. Um, but the one thing I really enjoy is, is when you're working with your dance team and you're working with your drum line, you're working with the, and, and right now we talk about those complicated um, shows. Part of the complication is there's so many more groups and performers and the old people dance team and the, the young people dance team and all those things. It's like getting involved with those, with those other teams. It always, I, First of all, the, the the shows are always more interesting for their show and for your show, and again, it just exposes you to such different energy. And I I really and this might be again coming back. I, I feel like I feel like that's one thing I really cling to now. I'm like I really like those experiences. So I would say I think there was a window where I was like really sidled, like I'm gonna do my stuff. And sometimes you know there's there's like a little professional um, pride. Um maneuvering yeah and pride like i'm gonna do my thing and they're gonna do their thing and um but sometimes it's like hey just jump in with these other groups and again i think for the most part if you're know, being respectful obviously of what they're doing but um but i think that that has such a great energy so that, that was one of the things that i that i caught is like i and, and and also collaborating with other mascots. And I, I know you've done a lot of videos, other guys, you bring guys in. I always feel like that that just brings such a different energy and perspective to what you're doing. I I really I value that a lot now, more than I did at some points. Um, and then I also think there's a, a real value in differentiating yourself. And there is there's a lot of best practices, kind of groupthink. And we do you know we get together for a conference and we're like hey this guy did this get and this guy did this get and you end up everyone starts doing kind of the same things and i really i think there's a real value in pushing yourself to not just do the stock stuff that everybody does and when i say that i'm always like well i like doing this thing and this thing and this thing that everyone does and like again that's all part of it but it's just that constant press for yourself like i need to stand out i'm going to do my thing differently um, and i think that that's something I would tell the the younger guys or tell myself if i could is like find those things that you do just you because that's what's gonna make you special um and again that's hard it, it
0: is it's hard to develop that it's hard to develop a personality in character and um, i th- i think developing a swagger where you don't have to when you're with other mascots you'll see them you'll see uh, a lot of mascots when they get in groups they're all looking at each other what's he doing what's he doing in this situation and and that's okay to learn from but it's also a great opportunity to stand out do something different don't push it though that i mean don't 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 do something stupid you know just to stand out that always makes me crazy but even carrying yourself with a sense of, Hey, I've been here before I've done this. And it it comes, I think it comes through really loud. If you can, you can stand apart by having a little bit of swagger,
1: confidence, and you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I think that's, that's such a, it's such a great point is just to think about like, how do I interject myself into this? because again, that's part of it. The whole thing is like, you know, sharing the stage. Yes. But also you got to be on the stage. You got to like catch someone's eye, but it's like looking at every situation. Be like, how do I put myself into that and and do f- respectfully? So you're not upstaging the mayor. You're not taking away from the message. You're not, you know, wrecking the event. Like you said, like pieing, the. F- pie, you're not going to put a pie in his face, but at the same time, like you want to be like, how do I make the most out of this? And I, I love, um I have a great article on, uh, on the website about creating celebrity it's tim dirk the original um spurs coyote and he just really talks about this in terms of when you're out on the stage you got to be a star like you just can't be that wallflower in the back that no one pays attention to because then you're by definition you're nothing and and like if you're not first you're last what's that if you're not first (laughs) you're last. right (laughs) right ricky bobby um but but tim um has this um example and it's a little dated but so is Tim um, about the Carson show where if you came out you're the first you want to be the first person out because they're the biggest star on the show and then when you're done don't scoot down the couch you don't want to be there for the next guy you're too big of a deal you got someplace to be and it's that mindset to be like I'm a big deal here okay and like you said if you're a big deal mascot guy you're probably not going to be standing in the back, you know, as the mayor cuts the ribbon, you're going to be holding the scissors. And that, exactly. that, that's a, that's a big, that's a big difference. Like you, you are the celebrity and part of your, you ever you're the ambassador for the team. You're the, you're the guardian of that character, but also you're the one who has to elevate that character and find the spots that are going to make him a star. Right.
0: Speaking that reminds me, I'm going on to another situation here. We've got a mascot in town that will show up early Great. Name names.
1: I want to hear names. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, because he's a good buddy of mine. <laughs> <Please don't. laughs> Kate's over here. Please don't. Um, but he shows up early, stays late. Some situations, that's good. As a mascot, that is death. Don't do yeah. that. Actually, we have yeah. a couple of those guys in town. Be fashionably late or be right on time. Okay. Don't be late, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this, is this, also, this has gone into bad advice theater right here. I, I just be late. Be, just late. be late. Be unprofessional.
1: <laughs> You'll stand make, up.
0: But make an entrance and exit before it's done or exit as it's done. Don't stick around. The punchline yeah. is over. Yeah. Go home. Get out of there. And when you leave, don't just saunter off. Don't just fade away. No. Peace I'm out make a ruckus you know when I was entering a, a suite entering a door anything that had a barrier there bang 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 on the glass bang on the door whatever <laughs> I'm here when I'm leaving all right I'm clapping I'm whatever I'm making a noise I'm out peace and then go yep. so it's just little things like that
1: That's what we're talking no about I here. think those are right I I love, um, I love the three friends of mine who know wrestling history enjoy this. The rest of them are like, what is he talking about? But there's, a, I'll give another wrestling um, analogy into this. When I talk about standing out, it's like there is a, an old wrestler named Boris Balenko. And back in the territory days, there's like 26 territories. You'd float around different territories. And Boris Balenko said, whenever I went to a territory, I would just watch their TV show for a couple of weeks. And if everyone on there screamed during their promos, I would whisper. And if everyone in there was a soft talking, they'd whisper and they'd tell you, I'm going to fight you next week. I'm going to come after you. He goes, then I'd scream. He goes, I just wanted to stand out. I just had to be different than everybody else. And so, like you said, when you've got 12 other Denver area mascots there and they're all standing in the background, it's easy. You can stand out. But again, you got to find that way to make yourself. And sometimes it's just like, Hey, everyone else is kind of milling around low energy, doing like handshakes and stuff. I'm going to make a scene. I'm going to spill something. I'm going to make some noise. You have to stand out. You have to do something that makes you different and special. And not to be obnoxious, but just to find that little niche. That's yours. Right. So good. Such good advice.
0: What's your passion? What's your passion when it comes to mascotting other than,
1: you know, aside from wrestling, what's your passion? (laughs) (laughs) quoting wrestlers my passion (laughs) now I'm just like I'm scouring my notes is there any more wrestling quotes I can Uh, give by the way while you're thinking of that I
0: love the whisper thing when you're performing you can also perform whispering Mm -hmm. and people are so afraid to go there yeah there's times when I and I I was nervous to do this at first but when I would sometimes when I do a skit no introduction, don't give me anything, and no sound, no, I mean, just let it go dead, I'll walk out there, the silence will grab their attention enough, what, we're not, oh. playing, because we're, we, I mean, we're always like bombarding, it, our fans are just, you know, music, and loud, and loud, and music, you know, and it's talking, and it's yelling, and it's that type of thing, but all of a sudden, nothing. Oh yeah. That'll grab their attention or to go out and cut the music. I loved doing that. Mm.
1: Love doing that. So I, I totally couldn't agree more. And that's exactly, and actually I just heard a great example from, uh, I don't know if you still your, your boss, but Steve Johnston from the, from Cronky sports. Yep. He does the thing where it's like, okay, um, this, there's no, there's no sound, there's no MC, there's no dancing. There's no mascot. It's on you, Denver. And the whole thing is, it's like, first of all, he's challenging the fans, which I love. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that piece. It's different. It's going to grab you. You go out there to no music in the fourth quarter. Everyone's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And you start a timeout with everyone saying, what the hell's going on? It's only going to go up from there. I mean, oh, like yeah. you've got everybody right there. Oh, yeah. There's just that's so powerful. I mean, like you said, the the whole cut the music thing. I, I mean, I have like all my favorite timeouts are built around. Like you, 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 you <laughs> grabbed them, you now, got them now. Yes. What? Yeah. I mean, you, you should know where to go from there, but at the same time too, <laughs> like that's such a powerful piece. Right. Right. And there's it's times a contradiction. when, yeah. And
0: there's times when you can also go with the flow as well. Let the, when you, you know, when you hear it go silent or when you hear the crowd all of a sudden doing something, a perfect example of this is way back in the day. Harlan, you know, Harlan, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. But he had prepared this big piece, this big intro uh, video and and pumper to play right before tip-off. And so I'm out on the court. He's about to play this video. And all of a sudden, the crowd just starts chanting. And it was, I think it was just, you know, just a let's go thing you know but it was so loud and it grew so fast so I'm out there just going with it going with it over the headset man he was flipping out so mad (laughs) so my assistant was getting just chewed get him out there get him off the court we're supposed to be playing a video right now But this is the organic stuff that you can't shut down. You just can't think so tunnel-visioned on this. Come on. The crowd is going nuts. Okay, play the video some other time. I know he'd put a lot of work into it, and that's what it was. That's what his anger was based on. But, man, it was a magic moment that,
1: you know, sometimes you just got to roll with. Yeah, there's, there's something there, too, where you cannot tell your fans to shut up. And that's what he's doing right there. I mean, again, yeah. like, it, it, I know the moments, like you said, there's a lot, that there's a lot that goes into that. And like you said, the preparation, also just the plan, you had this whole thing plotted out, but again, like those moments, whenever you tell your fans, like, Hey, you gotta be quiet. Cause got to you know, sell you some tacos or we want to do this. Um, <laughs> we want to set this thing up. It's like the, and again, this goes into a little bit of playoff stuff. And you, you, you mentioned the huddle calls. We're actually talking about that this week uh, with Rob Wyclaw. You should come to the call. Um, but, but part of that is like in those moments, if the crowd's doing something, you either got to let them go or you got to add to the fire and yeah. you tell them anything else. Like if you just let it sit and be like, Hey fans, you and, and go into the, whatever promo that you had planned, whether it be a contest, you don't cancel that. You're, you're telling your fans, don't ever start that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever get you're, loud by yourself. And whatever you're death. doing is death. death. Whatever you're doing, you are training your fans.
0: You're either training your fans to expect something bigger and better, or you're training them to expect something less, or to be quiet. Or to wait for your cue. Or to wait for your cue. Yeah. You can train your fans. (laughs) You you can totally train your fans. You can have them eat it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And you build that through your swagger, through repetition letting them do their thing and then channeling them and it's 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 where you direct their attention and when gospel according to Solomon <laughs> deep so you're not, you're not wrong no good stuff man so tell me a wrestling story <laughs>
1: Uh, A Good wrestling story.
0: Are you still with the wrestling?
1: I'm not like the um, the COVID just gobbled that up um, (sighs) without boring everybody. Um, I was on a, a, I was one of the live event producers touring around doing house shows with WWE uh, as a freelancer. And when COVID came, they went from doing obviously, you know, on the order of like four, four to six house shows a week um to doing zero and and they kind of they rebuilt their their show and their touring aspect from kind of zero back up to where it is now and it's still a little smaller than it was um but they have just been very judicious about how they added things back and what they do and uh it just hasn't hasn't come to come come together for for that crew you know they they're, they're doing some live touring now but not not at the scale and um and then the role that i was in they just haven't brought back at that at that scale either so It's crushing because I loved it. Such a great job. (laughs) You were good at it too, and they
0: loved you, from what it sounds like, from what you told me.
1: I, I, like I said, I loved it, and I, I, um, I, you know, the the nice thing for me is I learned so much, and it was like it was kind of like all the stuff that I had learned as a performer. I was, I could kind of like draw on that a little bit. Um, I think I think like a producer too. So for years, I've had kind of like that producer hat on a lot. Um, But like you noted, you know, getting on the headset and making calls, making those decisions, that's tough. And uh, but just getting the chance to get the reps in and, and have that experience was just was awesome.
0: Well, oh, that's great man. And anytime that you can expand your world, what you were doing, I mean man, take every chance. I'm always telling people and, and my kids, hey man, you're not just this. You got to learn everything. And if the more the more that you can bring to the table, the more valuable you are, the more fun you'll have, the more opportunities you'll get learn 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 so learn what they do learn what everybody does even the uh, dance team director
1: you know <laughs> oh yeah i, re- I remember this, this kind of stands out to me i i was when i was at nike i had this great opportunity there where i was still a character but they were, were short we're kind of shorthanded we're like hey could you do Could you write the script for the show could you help build this So I went from being like a straight mascot to then I was doing a mascot and like some production work. And then I was directing shows and they were like big shows. And one of the things that we did is we used these different groups for a freelance group for lighting and for staging, that kind of stuff. And I remember one guy was like, I I asked him, I'm like, I don't really understand lighting that well. Could you help me out? So we went down and sat and had like a coffee and spent like an hour and he kind of gave me what I kind of probably is like lighting one on one. But it was like how you describe how the lighting effects are used, and you know how what the beam looks like, and all these different things about backlighting and forelighting and spotlighting and everything. And I just thought, like, now when I sit down and have my vision as a producer, I can explain it in their terms. And there's a couple of things on my site that I'm really proud of. I don't know if anyone really uses it or not, but like, we have these resource page where it's like, hey, learn how to speak their language you're not going to be able to like produce a pyro show, but when you go to your pyro guy and you start the conversation with, I want to come out and have two gerbs crossing in front of me, just knowing that language, instead of being like, I want the fizzy things that have the the spiral in them. And then they look, ah, there's like a gas in there. And then sometimes like that doesn't help them. And then they're, they're creating off their own, whatever they think you're talking about, as opposed to if you really have your vision and know the, know the language, your show is going to be better and also you're going to save time and money and everyone's, you know, he's not going to produce some show. Like that's not what I wanted really, but I he didn't understand what I was talking about. Well, actually you didn't understand the words to tell him what you needed. So, and they're going to um, want to I love work that aspect of yes. learning. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause they're, they're you're to, not wasting their time. Yeah. You're going to yeah. look so much more intelligent
0: to them and they're going to want to work with you more and put on a better show. Cause everybody wants to put on a better show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
1: So I I love that aspect of like you said this learn 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 like try to find somebody's job that you can be like hey what's this what's this lighting guy do what's the sound guy do why why is this sound so much better than that how and yeah. this this comes into now too the technology is so much more accessible for people like you noted and I did this too my first demo reel actually my audition tape for the Timberwolves I was doing VC, uh, VHS tape to tape cuts which are it's 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 linear Linear editing, which anybody who edits would be like, you know, like appalled. Anybody who's not, you know, over 40, you'd be like, what are you talking about? But the fact you'd have to like plot out what you want to put in everything because you couldn't adjust it later. Right. So you, you're literally building it as you go, like one big timeline. And if you screw something up, it doesn't matter. You're done. Yeah. That's what Start it is. Start over. And yeah. Yeah. But now it's like that. all the edit stuff. You can make a movie on your phone. And if you can't do that as a mascot now, Take a break from your next appearance and go learn how to do that. Cause, like, those are skill sets that you should have. Absolutely. You know, photo editing, music editing, video editing, those are, those now are basic skills for, for mascots. You have to. You have to. You have to. But don't start there. I mean, don't stop there. Yeah. Stop. yeah. Or stop there.
0: Yeah. Or stop, whatever. Whatever you want to do. But build a, a, a menu, a repertoire of physical capabilities as well i grew up repelling so when it came to repelling oh yeah where let's go i was tying my own ropes and everything now you can't even be you can't even repel anymore you have to be lowered in but when it came to all that i was on it uh riding your unicycle uh mark with the drums i mean what what mascot plays drums stand out with your talents good stuff and you know what, and one thing I've noticed about you and your performances, and we'll we'll start to uh, close this out here, but I wanted to hit this first, is in thinking about talking with you today, about your past performances, things that I've watched you do and everything, you have a large presence with your body, and I would watch you um, after certain, like after you would dunk, you'd have a certain move. And did a lot of, you know, a lot of hands out type of stuff, and you know, revving it up, and you know, swooping and things like that. A lot of swooping motions and, and things, which make made you look make you look larger than you are without making you look like you're trying too hard. Some mascots are trying too hard. To have big movements and walk like this, you know, I'm—I was with a college mascot the other day, and he, you know, just walking around, it was—I'm a jolly guy, you know, and it was just big movements, like completely unnatural. You should have a walk. You should have a presence in your body language, but don't overdo it. You had a large you have a large uh, presence and it's due to big movements but not overly done so I always always impressed with that a little kud- you know kudos to you kudo
1: yeah just you so know I my, have a friend my wife calls you kuto so Q- well I mean we can talk about that later yeah. um, just so you know I have a, a very close friend who helps me and kind of uh, gives me feedback on a lot of these calls and podcasts and stuff and he is it's coming soon because I just need Needed to end, but he is hell bent on me giving kudos out at some point. Like you have, you just have to give kudos for props for people for doing great things. You have to have a segment where you give kudos. So that's coming soon, I think, because I just I I apparently it's my biggest flaw right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I, I have one more note. It's not a wrestling quote, which I feel bad. I should change the name to a wrestler. Um, but I I was going through when we talked about do we have we have a minute or not? Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do fun. one last thing because I, I I was going through my notes when we talked last night about stories and whatnot. And this caught my eye. I, it's one of those things I jotted down that I, that I haven't used much, but I, I just love it. And as I reread it, I was like, wow, this is good. So Dwayne Casey, who was coach of the year with the Toronto Raptors now coaches the Pistons. Um, it, this is obviously not a mascot quote because i don't believe he thinks that much about mascoting although maybe he does because hooper's there and you know Hooper's spectacular So, um but so dwayne casey said about i'm assuming about players quote it's a lot easier to say whoa than giddy up and i think for for mascots that's a really great great quote because the hardest thing for a game director to do is to Push you to say you gotta do something. You gotta go catch the ride. Like we talked about here, it's like how you gotta stand out. You gotta go. You gotta get them out there. It's so much harder to push someone out there than it is to say, "Hey, what you did was great. Let's bring it back ten percent, so we're a little more in control, a little bit within the show." That's so much easier for them to say than it is to say, "Go do something, anything." And I love that quote because it's just it's it's a mentality of like. I need to be driving that. I need someone to tell me stop as opposed to someone telling me like, well, I wish you would do something more. And I just, I love that quote. Like I said, I have it. I just have it written down from whatever I was reading. Um, and I just think it's a really great mascot quote from That's Dwayne Casey. Actually, excellent. I mean, from, from Hulk Hogan.
0: Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, one thing that I've told my son lately, one of my philosophies Gosh, throughout this whole time that I've, I've been a mascot, was hey, if you don't have anything to do, run. Run. So, and get yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: no, 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 no. Not get out if you don't know what to <laughs> <laughs> No, not get out of the costume, but get, get, like if you're, if you're on the edge of the court and you're not doing anything, you got to leave. Right. Right. Get out of the people's eye. Okay. And then, uh, so
0: what I'm referring to here is, is there's been there was so many times when I didn't know what to do and they were like, get on, let's go, let's go, timeout just happened, it's yours, uh, okay, what do you want me to do? I mean, they just expected me to pull stuff out of my hat, and so nothing to do, I just run, I just go out there and run, I'd run out on the court, run, go, if you don't know what to do, do something, get out there, because nine times out of ten. It really sucks when you, you know, that one time out of 10, but 9 times out of 10 you're going to run out there and you're going to you're going to experience something, something's going to happen. You're going to get an idea, some, you know, somebody's going to yell something or something's you know, 9 times out of 10 if you'll just start something, do something, something will happen that you can play off of. It just it just happens all the time. The other thing is is oh, that I want to add to what you said is, you know, instead of somebody pulling you back, I always wanted to do more. I, was, I, I never could stand the thought of somebody coming out and saying, hey, could, uh, well, I didn't see you out there very much. Uh, can, can you, you know, can you, like, work? Bad. Oh, I just I could, uh, that horrified me. So, uh, you know, this little bit here is something I think is good little tidbit. I read this in a book the other day. By the way, get this book, I love it. It's called um, Influences Your Superpower. Can't remember the author, but Influences Your Superpower. And she's, she, uh, she says in there, ask, 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 make big asks. So when you go to your team, when you go to your employer, when you go to, you know, whatever, Make big asks. You will never get anything big unless you ask big. So if you want to uh, go big, you know, you got to ask big. Uh, Eric McMahon told me about something that he got his police department to do, to shut down the freeway for him. I'm like, how would you ever think to ask that? And he did. And they did it. Helicopters and all shut down the freeway for him.
1: So, ask him about that. It was huge. I won't. I love. Steal I love his thunder. I love the tip of run. And again, I when you said that, I thought, yeah, you got to run and get off the court and get out of the way, because you can't just having no energy, sitting in the stand somewhere. It's just it makes you uninteresting. Yeah. By definition, you're you're just like every other fan. And so to me, it's like you're not doing something. You got to get off. You got to get off the court. Um, and that's why even like for me, I always try to like if I'm in the crowd, I'm still reacting to everything like you just can't sit i mean pop oh then you're just a guy in a costume right yeah exactly so but when you said that run thing to me it's like run plus be aware because you're creating it but what that really is and this goes back to this uh piece we just wrote on gameops.com on in the water coolers about cameron hughes he's a spark and when you run you're that's energy you're just you're creating energy and it's like that's a spark something's going to happen. It's not like you're going to start the wave or the crowd's going to give you a standing up because you're running, but something's going to happen. And like you said, right now, nothing's happening because they're like, you go do something. And that running is like, it's, it's just a trigger. And again, who knows what's going to happen, but something's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it was just me running around the court for
1: two minutes, (laughs) round and around and around. Yeah.
0: Like, sometimes, you know, yeah. people were like, oh, my gosh, he just keeps running. <laughs> Other times it was like, I'm not feeling this. And I just run straight across the court. And everybody's like, what was that? And I run going? back across the court. He go? But you know Out what? You know what I... you
1: are at that point? You're must see. Like, I, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, Where is he going? And also, it's not if you walked across the court to go off the tunnel. No one's going like, what's he going to do? Because there's no energy there. There's nothing, there's nothing there. You grabbed him, though. Yeah. I love that just run let me write that down okay, do you right. wonder do you wonder if dwayne casey has that in like a book he's like for mascots i always tell him to run <laughs> i that's my dwayne casey voice <laughs> okay. i want i want dwayne casey to be like now like this mascot soothsayer where he just knows all like this philosopher up about all mascot things let's have him make him that happen here. yeah let's have him on here <laughs> let's ask yeah big ask Dwayne Casey I know you're in the middle of like the whole draft season right now your season's over why don't you come on the podcast and talk about your mascot philosophies there you go if we don't ask it'll never happen he's not gonna come on if we don't ask I gotta get his number so between the fur mascot with Dwayne Casey is that gonna be uh that's like and John Kudo yeah I'll come on Dwayne Casey hell yeah (laughs) Seriously, I'm in yeah we'll get Hooper on there too now I think it's funny. Now I think we need to get off the phone and call. <laughs> hey, Dwayne, it's John and Ken. Uh, let me refer to my my producer here.
0: For what? Produce. Produce why Dwayne Casey. Get him. Sure. Hey, big <laughs> yeah. ass.
1: You don't. If you don't ask big, you don't get it. What? So ask me and C- I'll. Cade see say, we've got a guy named. Him. <laughs> yeah. So ask Cade and He'll I'll work it out. <laughs> Listen, you guys have connections to the Pistons. I know you do. It's a big you know ass. Let's go ahead and start know. making big asks. Yeah. That's it. Hey, Ken. It was right, uh, awesome to be on with you. I uh, appreciate your friendship. Like you said, we've been friends since, this is going to scare people, since 1990. 90. That's 1990. old.
0: We're old. A couple old dudes. The day we met was, I think it was close to the 1st of December. 1990 I think it's earlier than that yeah but November it was November late November then you'd know better than I would my first game was December 15th oh no, no no we met before that I was at your audition yeah but that was that was only like that was two that weeks late in the that. season it, it was that late in the season yeah wow. it
1: was November-ish can I tell you one of the things I, I remember from that are we yeah. off the air now yeah um I, I love, no. and you and I both had the same experience, um, but the person who was making that hire was like this sports legend. I mean, Carl Shear is yeah. a legend. Yeah. You and I both worked for Tim Lavec, who isn't, wasn't a legend. He is a legend. He's still like the most powerful guy in sports. And like, just to, you know, you talk about what you learn and where you learn it from. Like we both worked under just these like amazing, amazing people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Carl Shearer, man, I remember one scary moment with him, just after hired, done a few games. Scary looking individual standing on the side of the court. He's because he was very stoic, mm-hmm. and I remember coming off the court after a skit just bombed, <laughs> bombed. It was a let's just say it's a, it was a college skit. Anything you do in college, I mean, unless you go out there and just put poop on the court it's they're going to be a huge you know yeah well this bombed it was crickets I come running off the court and here's Carl Shear standing there with his arms folded and he just kind of glanced I saw him glance at me just kind of like noticing that I was about to run by but then as I ran by he just looked at the court very next day I was in his office I was called into his office Says, come in, Ken. Close the door. I sit down in front of him, in that in a chair that's just like way too short for the desk, you know. <laughs> I'm short as it is, and he looks across the table at me, and he goes, uh, "Ken," he says, "This is the NBA. This is not college. Step it up." Thank you. That was it. That was it. (laughs) One sentence meeting? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I didn't even say anything. I got up. I cleaned up my chair. (laughs) And (laughs) I walked out. Man, I, you know, and at that point, I started collaborating. I think I called uh, Wayne Jordan because he was there at those tryouts. He's the only mascot I knew besides you. I think I called you and like, wow, how do I do this? You know, how do I step this
1: up? We figured it out. Yeah. I will say the only thing I thought about when you gave that story. And for those who don't know, Carl Shear essentially is the man um, who birthed the NBA dunk uh, competition, which I always love that fun quote or that fun fact. Um, All I thought about on that story. No disrespect to your story is that I just thought does Carl Shear did he plot out? I'm gonna give whoever's at my desk a really tiny chair. I just think about it, whoever's in this really <laughs> short chair where you're below the desk. I it's just a power, you. total power move, total power move. If you're in my office. You're gonna be in the tiny chair because yeah. I'm in charge. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm assuming that's that's where he was at. <laughs> he, he wasn't a very tall man, so maybe did he w- quote was a... Dwayne Casey at any point? I don't know. I'll look, I'll look at the time. Dwayne Casey's notes. probably a teenager. <laughs> Not even. Who the hell is Dwayne Casey? (laughs) Who is that guy? All right. Well, uh, next time I'm on your show, it's going to be you and me and Dwayne Casey. Yes. And let's get Tim Lai Wiki on there, too. I'm in. Okay. All right. All right, brother. I like how you picked up your phone. Like, let me call him right now. I'm going to call him right now. (laughs) All right.
0: Between the Fur is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more of our content on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Peace.
1: Oh, I'm supposed to one up and be like peace out I'm out of here <laughs> that was the
0: loud instead of the whisper that. that was the ah
1: <laughs> thanks for having me on